out or structured in, in any way. So just going to flow with it and see what comes through. Which I guess is just sort of becoming my new thing. Um, so here in the U.S., continue to unfold this year in even more violence and upheaval and intensity, as well as elsewhere in the world. Um, and I, I've, I've seen and I, I sense that this year Beyond that, I don't know, but this year, and even even in the near future, there will be more, more of the violence and also some natural upheaval. Um, let me just give this a little bit more context before I go into the topic that just keeps coming up for me that I've avoided talking about because I, I have a very flawed perspective as a student and also as an American and also as a white person, but um, apparently I'm just going to go for it anyway. But the context, the greater context is, as I've mentioned before, um, one tool, pretty much the only tool that is aligned for me, that is right or fits or, or flows for me to reference or keep as a guide is Jyotish, which is otherwise known as Vedic Astrology. I don't go with much else anymore these days. And that is specifically because Jyotish is a healing modality. It is not a gossipy, fatalistic narrative or identity to attach to, it's actually the opposite of it. it. It's reminding people, it's like having a post-it note on your desk to remind you of what alignment can feel like when your life is aligned with your authentic self, your organic flavor, as well as all of life. And there has never been an intention for Jyotish, although it's it's developed as such over the years with colonization and industrialization and patriarchal shenanigans and all of that, that it's become more of a fatalistic, gossipy, predictive tool, as opposed to being that post-it note that just reminds you of what spiritual evolution can look like or what's possible in, in your lifetime. So that's why... I really only look at that these days. In there, of course, there's so much more context. It's a a vast spiritual science, I guess, even though I know some people would take great umbrage at the combination of those two words, spiritual and science. Uh, But it, uh, it does have some predictive so much predictive. It's, um, it shows threads of life, of individual life and collective life and history. And so in that respect, there are some 
predictive elements. One being that even though transits and things like that that are used so much in Western astrology, uh, human design, gene keys, stuff like that, are, are really important in those systems. In Jyotish, the thing with transits is typically you got to take them with a really huge grain of salt because if you try to apply a planetary or other astronomical transit to your individual chart by consuming a very basic video on YouTube, you're probably going to run into some issues that are that are tough to address unless you have a much deeper knowledge and experience with Jyotish. So stuff like, you know, there's a transit happening and here's what's going to happen is really just not very wise to rely on. However, occasionally there can be transits that occur that are so fundamentally impactful to everyone and just the planet earth that that you can see that there will be like some upheaval that's going to impact a lot of people so anyway there are some very fiery violent intense things happening in that regard and when it's so forceful like that um it just it can be it can just be a, a way to be more aware not hyper vigilant not paranoid not conspiracy theorist but just aware so anyway um i've had a lot of dreams a lot of other things that indicate that there might be some more mass shootings as well as um, eruptive natural events, like volcanic, more volcanic activity, possibly impacting warmer coastal cities here in the US, as far as like a tsunami as a result, possibly also some vol volcanic activity here in the US, but not like that ridiculous over the top apocalyptic movie scenario of Yellowstone, you know, that kind of a thing. Actually, if, if you read more about Yellowstone, the scientists are, are, as always, not maybe not as always, but they're really just chill nerds and they're like, yeah, no, let's break it down for you. But anyway, um, so yeah, that kind of intensity, violent intensity, uh, just all is a big stew. And whether you're a sensitive person or not, or don't consider yourself to be sensitive, you are a human animal, you're a mammal, that grew from, evolved from life on Earth. So you have all of those <laughs> components that, whether we are aware of them or not, or acknowledge them or not, or deny them or ignore them, we're still very much animals that can sense and feel when our environment isn't right. We can sense and feel when other animals in our 
species <laughs> are sick. We can sense and feel when things are not harmonious in our environment. And there is nothing magical about that. There's nothing woo-woo or abstract about that. That's just being an animal alive on a ecologically diverse planet. And all the other planets in this, just this galaxy, not to, to mention other galaxies, probably have a lot of similar stuff going on where if there are animals there, they're just as interconnected with each other and with their biosphere as we are. So this isn't just about life on planet Earth. This is life anywhere in the universe. It tends to follow some pretty basic patterns. So anyway, I guess I'm kind of science rambling here a little bit. And I would really like to just bring it back to astrology again, where for many years I allowed myself, but also forced myself to fit a narrative when people would say, you know, what's your sign? I hadn't gone very deep at all into astrology. I just remember in Western astrology, like back in high school and college, when it was just all about sun sign. You know, what are you? You're a, you're a Cancer, you're an Aries, and that was it. <laughs> like, nothing else. And I just recall reading all this stuff about, in Western astrology, my sun sign is Virgo. And I just recall reading that stuff and being like, this isn't really all that accurate. There are, are elements to it that are accurate, but I feel like this is a really oppressive identity that I somehow have to go along, I have to play along with it. And it, like it was telling me who I was and that it must know something more about me than I knew about me. And it was this definitive, oppressive, <laughs> authoritarian source that was just like, this is who you are and this is what you are, you are and this is all you can do and this is all you can be and this is the way it is, fatalistic, fatalistic, fatalistic. And it's been a, a really big part of my healing process to release all of that stuff, all those identities that other people have projected onto me, but also resources project onto, onto people. And we consume and digest and try to absorb <laughs> these narratives and identities that actually aren't true for us. But out in the world, you're just going to meet with a lot of resistance people who will say, no, that's who you are. That's what you are. That's how it is. You have to go do and be this. And so anyway, it's incredibly oppressive. It has no place in traditional healing. No place. All the shedding of the layers definitely involve all the identities and narratives, including the woo-woo ones. You would think, oh, well, you know, it's a supportive of, it's a supportive thing of, you know, hey, I'm a Pisces attached to that identity. No, not at all. Y you can play with it. It's there to explore and play with, but when the attachment takes hold and it becomes your ego identity, that's a big problem as a traditional healer. You're going to find big resistance and your spirit is going to know when you're not in alignment. There will be a, a lot of inner turmoil that doesn't settle until you let go fully, surrender fully. 
even just start by loosening your grip on those identities. So anyway, for years it was like, you know, you're Virgo, so you love science and you're super analytical and and it was like I I had that stuff going on, but it was like that was all I could have going on. And I wanted so much to please people, and I wanted so much to fit in and have a role in society, and I wanted so much to feel like I was respected, that I wasn't just a piece of trash meat. And what better way to counteract that kind of extreme narrative than by going to the opposite extreme and really forcing this whole, I am chaste, I am celibate, I am scientific, I am super analytical, blah, 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 when that isn't actually who I am. That's not my organic flavor. That's not who I was born as with my organic essence, my, my organic scent, I guess. Um, so there, there's been a lot of deconditioning and releasing around that. And while I am naturally talented at organizing and structuring my communication, um, that is not my ego identity. I, I am not a Virgo. I am not a this. I am not a that. I am not a... It is so oppressive, even just the thought, even just the idea of, of having to accept other people's ideas of who I am, even if it's uh, an inorganic resource like an astrology chart. So anyway, that was a little bit of a tangent. I'm going to come back to the upheaval and violence that's happening right now and continuing to, to unfold. In the collapsologist slash post-doom realms, groups, there is discussion about all of the moving parts and factors that are contributing to the overall instability and destruction and violence and upheaval that Western industrialist globalized culture is experiencing more and more. All the things like authoritarian regimes, war, um, patriarchally oppressive legislation, pandemic viruses, breakdown of food systems, um, agriculture, climate change. And in the collapsologist post-doom groups, it's understood, and, and I have found this to, to bear out as more time goes by and the more I really keep my own grip loosened around, like be, like it's so important for me to be agnostic. Like I, I, it doesn't matter how right a group is or how right a narrative is they can have all these facts that are that are accurate and right um the issue is we're in such a imbalanced unhealthy culture where getting into an echo chamber and really only wanting to hear what you want to hear within that echo chamber and having all the rules dogmatic rules pop up within that echo chamber where it's like, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to say this. If you do, you're not right, you're not with us, you're not of this group, that kind of a thing. That shows up absolutely anywhere, everywhere, all the time. I don't care how right, I don't care how wise, it'll show up because we're so 
uncertain and imbalanced individually and collectively. Even people who refrain from a lot of online activity, even people who refrain from junk this or junk that, just from a a neurotransmitter perspective, really no one is at a state of harmonious balance that would really would really present itself as as truly neutral, flexible, resilient, balanced, harmonious. Like I, I really don't care. I mean, maybe someone in a cave somewhere, out you know, outside the the outskirts of an ashram city in Nepal, where they've been in a cave meditating for <laughs> decades. You know, but I just, I don't, I don't think, I really don't think that, that true balance is, is even really in existence at this point. Our environment is so imbalanced and unwell that it is literally impossible for an individual to avoid any of their own imbalance within themselves. Anyway, all that said, <laughs> um, in these post-doom collapsologist groups that I, that I frequent from time to time and learn from, there can be a lot of dogmatism there as well. There can be a lot of, this is how it's going to happen. And, and if you disagree, you're an enemy, you're against, you're not right, you're deluded, you're delusional, you're, you're addicted to hope. Just, there's, there's so many dogmatic religious rules that show up in absolutely every single group. Every single group. So avoiding that I have found is, is really impossible and keeping, keeping track of my own tendency towards imbalance sometimes can get really tiring because then I've just become hypervigilant and I'm like, you know, how am I starting to slide down slippery slopes into, into any of this cognitive dissonance that when you're in that fog, when you're in cognitive dissonance, you don't know. And it's just so anyway, it's just, it feeds on itself. It's a vicious cycle. But all of the current, current events, current issues that we face, it's, it's understood that, that they have one main root. Even if it doesn't seem like they're a direct consequence of ecological collapse and overshoot, you can very easily trace all the issues, all of the the headlines in news that we have today to ecological collapse and overshoot. But there's an even deeper root. There's an even deeper root I have found that I've been exploring more and more deeply, which is essentially a spiritual root spiritual philosophical but but in essence it's a spiritual root and there it's a predicament and this is kind of one of the scriptures <laughs> that that you is is wrote like in in collapse groups at post doom in ecological activism whatever it's this scripture of these are not individual problems to be solved these are interconnected problems that all lead to one main predicament 
which is ecological collapse and overshoot, and a predicament cannot be solved. There are no straight shot solutions to solving a predicament. There are only responses. There are only responses. But as I said, deeper than just ecological collapse and overshoot, all of the consequences of human-based use and misuse and abuse of our home, the root cause for why historically over thousands and thousands of years this has been a millennia-long process to lead us to this point. It didn't just happen this century. It didn't just happen in the last century. This has been progressing and building exponentially for millennia. The root to all of that, to why individuals who comprise communities are so addicted to use, overuse, and abuse of our home, there are a few interconnected reasons, but I want to really focus on the spiritual reason. And that spiritual root cause is basically, in essence, disconnection. When an individual has been conditioned and raised to believe that they are separate and disconnected from life, all of life, other people, plants, animals, whatever, that individual will have a belief system based in that. That can show up in all sorts of different ways. That can be a religious belief system, that can be political belief system. It's all the same thing, essentially based in disconnection. When an individual is, is taught and experienced directly from birth and in their generations prior to their birth, that they are interconnected, that their well-being is the well-being of their home and of others, and the well-being of others in their home is directly connected to, and actually just is, their own individual well-being, their wealth, their health. There's a very different individual there, very different belief systems. So you have an entire globe, really, that has been pervaded with this deep, 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 deep rotten root of disconnection. And as pressure builds and as humans, as animals, as, as really any, any animal, any mammal, is, is going to, the, the more imbalanced its environment the more imbalanced within itself and the, and the more the vicious cycle feeds itself. The more imbalanced the environment, the more imbalanced the individual. The more imbalanced the individual, the more imbalanced the environment. And it causes a spiritual sickness. It, it creates and builds a vicious cycle of a spiritual sickness that I would call a zombie virus. Zombie virus being that 
that the individual is still animated, <laughs> like it's still as if they're alive, their body's moving, their eyes are blinking, you know, their, their mouth is moving, they're eating, but they're dead. They are disconnected from the source of life within them, that they are life. There isn't a source of life within them. This is where I'm going to get nitpicky, especially around new age terminology. There isn't a source. It is. You are. I am that. There isn't a separate source. You are that. And so when you have billions of individuals who have no direct knowledge and direct experience of themselves as that, as life, uh, it really just continues to feed itself the zombie virus. It just continues to infect really everyone, mostly everyone, unless an individual intentionally takes themselves in hand and says, I don't want to be this way because it isn't natural. I'm not alive. I'm breathing, I'm moving, but I'm dead already. As a zombie virus can't be cured, I think we look at sick people as things to cure. How do we fix this? Which, of course, that doesn't mean abandon that perspective. That doesn't mean stop trying to find solutions to, for example, ending gun violence in America. Absolutely not. There are so many incredibly ingenious people looking at the different angles, really thinking laterally about the different angles of, of components that are, are leading to this epidemic. But it, it's going to come down to individuals not wanting to be dead anymore. It's going to come down to individuals having enough of a glimmer of awareness that they are zombies. Maybe not even fully zombified. You can you can have like a zombie area in your life or one or two areas in your life or parts of yourself because you're not separate. You're not separate from the areas of your life. <laughs> there are no compartmentalized sections. Although we, we sure do like to build our lives that way and behave that way and relate that way. But there's going to be different levels of infection, I think. And it's still going to come down to individuals, individuals who comprise communities, communities that comprise within other communities and other communities within the overlapping interconnected communities of all of life. I want to make a point here about human beings being animals. We are very unique, very unique. Unique does not mean better. Our culture really likes to set up unique as either better or worse. If you're unique in some way, either you're special, AKA better, or you're worse, AKA bad. Humans as a species are definitely unique. Definitely have unique things going on as animals on planet Earth. That does not equate to better. 
that also doesn't equate to more powerful, more impactful. Yes, absolutely. But not more powerful. Unique doesn't mean wiser. So, if there were one curative factor for an individual who has become aware that they are zombified in some way, I would say it's the great humbling. The great humbling process. Some might call it ego death. Some might call it therapeutic self-help. Some might call, you know, it doesn't matter. Whatever modalities are used or not used, doesn't matter. It is, in essence, the great, great humbling. In the great humbling, a lot of stuff happens. One being your heart breaks. If your heart isn't breaking over and over and over again, you are not being humbled. You are not participating in and surrendering to the great humbling, which is in and of itself the great healing. It is the great, greatest healing. I feel that individuals could undertake if they became aware and chose, if they chose that they didn't want to be zombified in, in, in some way or other. In Advaita Vedanta, they call they call it the veil of ignorance for when someone is not living in alignment with Dharma. Dharma just being truth, the truth of life, their own individual truth of being. I'm not talking about speak your truth. No, 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 no. No, let's not go down that path. That's not what it means. It means just alignment with life. When someone is living in such a way, being in such a way, relating and doing in such a way that is against Dharma or the truth or alignment of life, they say in Advaita Vedanta that it's a veil of ignorance. That individual has not realized they're not just interconnected with everyone and everything and all of life, but they are that life not a separate source, not a separate thing. They are that. You are that. I am that. Until someone has, not just listening to someone, a teacher, a guru, a self-help coach, whatever, saying this, but have the direct knowledge of it themselves. Until the veil of ignorance really starts to lift and they begin to experience with their whole being not just their eyes, not just their mind, not just their thoughts, their whole being becomes infused with the truth that they are life and that all life is life and each unique individual expression of that life is utterly precious, utterly unique. There will never be anything like it before or anything like it again. Until you have that direct knowledge It's all just trash. It's all just for your use. There's no relationship there. If you don't have a relationship to something, why would you want to take care of it? It's just another drag. It's just another oppressive political agenda. It's just another job you got to do on top of all the other stuff you got to do in a society where 
people's nervous systems are essentially so burnt out that they're really just running on some sort of miraculous autopilot. Of course, people are breaking, cracking. Of course. Until individuals have that direct understanding, the direct knowledge that I am life and each expression of life is miraculous. Not as an abstract thing, not as a religious belief, not as an idea, not as a concept that somebody else talks about, but their own direct experience of it. There cannot be a shift within the individual that impacts their community, inspires their community. The thing about healing and traditional healing, and this is true across multiple cultures, I don't know if it's true in every traditional healing culture, but just from what I've learned, when an individual in a community heals or is undergoing a great healing, it's really never for that individual's purpose. Everyone is meant to be impacted by an individual's success, healing, abundance. It's intended to be not just an inspiration, but an example of possibility of what harmony and balance can look like or be like for everyone and everything. You can't cure a zombie virus as an individual because it's it's not something to be fixed or eradicated. It's only a remembering of what already is. The lifting of the veil of ignorance. That veil of ignorance being that I'm separate and life is worthless as a result. I can use, I can take, it doesn't matter. The remembering of what already is, there is no accomplishment here, there is no goal reached, there is no activity completed. (laughs) When we talk about healing, when we talk about healing, it might result in an action, it might result in a result. But at essence, it's simply a remembering of what already is, and then an abiding, abiding remaining in that, in that remembering, in a world where nobody wants you to remember. Nothing wants you to remember that you are already that. Everything wants to draw you back into a loop, a cycle, an addiction, and then stay looped in that by trying to find solutions and fixing and healing and clearing out that addiction, that imbalance, when at essence it's simply a remembering. A zombie virus, as I said, a healing process is a great humbling and the great great humbling is just remembering. It's just remembering. It's nothing new. No one else came up with it. It's no rules. It's not a religion. It's not a, a politics. It's uh, it's just a remembering of what already is. That is the great humbling. 
And that is what could be, quote, a cure for an individual zombie virus. So I think I'm going to wrap up here. Um, Humbling is a relief. That's one that's been one of my side effects of the great humbling as my individual healing, aka remembering what already is. It's been a huge relief. But for a long time, and still at times, this is lifelong. It's a lifelong process. I resist, it hurts, it's agonizing. The letting go, the loosening the grip. It's terrible at times, terribly agonizing. But past that point, it is relief. It is relief. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I just want to mention that when we talk about protection, spiritually or otherwise, protecting ourselves, feeling protected in in a culture that is obsessed and addicted to violence. Um, a teacher I worked with had an ancestral message once that was, I should probably get her permission to see if I can share the writing that she did with this ancestral message. An ancestor was writing through her, communicating through her, and it was about protection, spiritual protection. Like we have all these tools to protect with. We have the cleansing, we have the this, the that. When this message was saying one of the most potent ways to protect yourself is alignment. Where you're not even really doing anything. You can do all the other stuff, of course, too, but foundationally, it's alignment. Just being aligned. Being aligned with what's actually right for you. Interacting with what's actually creating with what's actually right dharmic. Okay. Uh, I'm going to stop there. Thanks for listening. If you have, have a great (laughs) whatever day, week, life. Okay. Bye.